I'm going to hit record. Yay. Okay. We're recording. Now the next thing I'm going to do is try to, what we're doing now, we go to live on Facebook. Yep. Okay. So I'm clicking that. And then you, you want to make sure you pick the common thread group because otherwise it'll just go on your, on you. But how do we, um, how do you know where it goes? You should be able to select where it's going to go live. Hmm. Okay, folks, common thread, bear with me. We're having a little bit of technical challenges because we're going to try to stream this. Oh, here we go. So continue as Jessica. So Kelly, do you go to custom? Maybe. What does it say when it says go live on Facebook? It says Zoom would like to post content to your timeline on your behalf. Who can see Zoom's post on your timeline? It should be able to let you select a group. It says public friends, only me or custom. Custom. Share with um, common thread. Not working. Hmm. Oh, here we go. I don't know. I don't feel super comfortable not knowing. Well, you can try it and I'll tell you if it's showing up on there because I'm over on it. <clears throat> That's okay. You well, your, it says live stream a... Zoom webinar to Facebook Live. Yep. It says connected to um, choose where to post your Zoom webinar, and it only says share in your own timeline. It doesn't give me other options. There's no then drop says, down. Then it says, right, it, it just says share on your own timeline, and then it says who should see this, public, friends, or only me. Oh, no, there should be a share in a group. That's what I do. Nope. Okay. We're okay. not going to do that. We're not going to do it. <laughs> Come into the Zoom if that's where you want to be. Hang on. This would be really not great to go to my actual page because um, it's like patient related, you yeah, know? Don't do that. Don't share it but, to Facebook. Do you have to actually say yes, you're turning it on? Yeah. It'll. There's a big go live now button. Oh yeah, I didn't hit that. All right, folks, thanks for your patience, common thread. I really hope this is, I did not hit go live now. Okay. Here, I can just go on Facebook and check. I don't, I mean, I, I don't see anything on common thread, but. All right, should we do intros? Yeah, do let's do, but can you, are you, if you're over on Facebook, can you quickly like click on my name and see if there's anything going on my name? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> 
suddenly very nervous about it. Oh, you're so cute. Look <laughs> at your, your handsome husband. No, I don't see anything. Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay. Now we can start. Thank you folks for being so patient. So I'm people who don't know me, I'm Kelly. I'm going to coach Jessica today. Amy's also here, so she's going to help me. And Jessica came up with this idea of needing to be coached on something. And she's like, why don't we do it live for people so they can see what it's all about? And I said, well, that's brave and amazing of you. <laughs> well, this is, um, you know, we, we all get coaching all the time and it can be kind of scary sometimes to put yourself out there, particularly in a kind of a quasi public way, even though on room one, we try to, you know, anonymize everybody and make it really private. We don't show video of people's faces or anything, but it's, you know, sometimes some pretty sensitive stuff we're talking about. So, um, I thought it would be kind of cool if we could just show people what we're doing anyway on a, you know, on the regular, as far as us getting coaching on things, because just because we are coaches doesn't mean that we have all the answers. It just means that we've like maybe gotten a few steps ahead on this large track you know, on the racetrack of life. It's just like, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the other thing for people is to realize how beneficial it is to be heard, be seen, and actually get your thoughts outside of your brain, right? Because yeah. like when we spin in here, like even coaches who are like, I know that's a thought, I know that's not serving me, like getting it out and having somebody like organize the files for you <laughs> is, is where the, I think a lot of insight comes from. Yeah, and There's something really like just, you know, neurologically of like talking and being heard and versus you just kind of shuffling on the inside of like, what do I do? What do I do? Where am I stuck? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys will get that out of here. Um, type in your questions if you have them. And thank you to Jess for volunteering to do this. Yeah, no problem. Okay, right, you Jess, ready? What, ready? What do you got? So we're gonna start with my thought download here. Something happened this week. So again, this is another like cuckoo week. What is happening? I live on the West Coast. I feel like it might be the tides. It was the full moon last week. What the fuck is happening? Because people are nuts. Anyway, um, so I was on call on Monday and I got a consult for a patient, 16-year-old with a bug bite on his wrist. And um, all the imaging done didn't indicate that there was like an abscess cavity, but this thing was kind of nasty looking. It was really red, really inflamed, raised, tender, and... Um, the people who admitted him, like the primary team, the PEDS team, I'm a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. So the PEDS team swapped it and it grew MRSA. So I never trust those swabs because it's like they could just as easily swab the toilet seat. I don't know. It's like, what do you do? What are you swabbing? But anyway, then, so he has quote unquote MRSA and I'm like, all right, let's go take this thing and we'll just open it up, see what we got. So the next day I go, he was stable didn't even have his um, inflammatory markers bumped, but the next morning I took him to the OR and <clears throat> in the pre-op area, he and his mom are both on the phone, their respective phones, like not engaging with me. And I'm kind of bubbly on the, on, you know, on most days I'm kind of like bouncing around and bubbly and making jokes and it's a pediatric hospital. It's like Disneyland. 
So I was doing my usual shtick and it just was not landing at all. And so neither of them were interested at all in my attempts at levity. Um, I try to get through the uh, pre-op consent process and I didn't even know if they were listening because they were both on their phones. And then I made a comment. I said, oh, wow, you guys are phone Twinkies, just like a joke, you know? And <clears throat> the mom kind of snapped at me and said, you know, I'm, I'm texting his father. And I said, okay, you know, just kept moving forward. So we take the kid to the OR. It was bizarre. I opened it up. There was no pus. It was this like gross, um, thick, granular kind of like phlegmon type tissue that was just, you know, not healthy tissue, but also not liquid MRSA rolling out of his wrist. So I debrided it sharply, sent all my cultures and biopsy and all that stuff and loosely approximated the edges and packed it open. And it went fine. So afterwards I went to go find his mom in the waiting area. She was talking with another employee from the hospital that I didn't recognize. And I said, oh, wow, are you guys friends? And, and they both looked at me with this like super sneer. And <clears throat> then I wasn't quite sure I was talking to the right parent. So with masks, you know, I try to memorize what they're wearing so that I like at least go up to the right parent because I don't oftentimes have relationships with, with the parents. Like if, you know, if they're new and just consulted anyway, long story short, they, um, I said, well, let me just verify I have the right parent. Can you tell me your child's name? And she's like, she looks at me and she's like, why don't you go get my child's information and come let me know? And it was like, didn't even make sense. Cause I was trying to verify if she was, if it was the right parent. And so I go get some information that I could try to, you know, show her and with his initials and stuff. And by then I knew it was her. I saw she had a mustard colored like cardigan and I saw she had tied it around her waist. And um, she's like, that's not my son's information. And I was like, I think it is. And she's like, well, my son's still in surgery. And I was like, no, we're done because I was the surgeon. Like I talked to this lady pre-op anyway. Um, it was just this like really confrontational interaction. And she goes, I don't appreciate how you came up to me. And I said, I'm so sorry. I just like apologized a bunch of times and tried to let her know everything went well and that it was unusual what I found that I biopsied it and sent it off, but blah, blah, blah. And she said it again, she didn't appreciate how I was talking to her. So I went ahead and I reported it to our nursing supervisor and just asked what to do, mainly because I was afraid for myself. I'm like, she's definitely gonna make a complaint. And I don't know, like I was making that mean something. And then the nursing supervisor said that it's really important actually to report, like make safety reports in instances like this, where I didn't feel like my physical safety was in question at all. But she said, sometimes parents or whomever can escalate over the course of a hospital stay. And if people don't report early behavior, they, they don't have anything to base it on later. So she, she really encouraged me to make a report. And I did come to find out this lady was like basically having issues with everybody on the healthcare team. So it just doesn't really make for a very therapeutic relationship. And afterwards, the kids started bleeding the next day once we pulled the packing out. 
So we got wound care involved and our wound care team is absolutely amazing. So I'm not worried about the wound itself, but again, I was second guessing, maybe I should have closed it. It didn't really look like an abscess, but he had MRSA. So like, maybe I should have packed it open. And it was all this questioning of what I actually did. And then all along thinking this lady's going to report me and now we don't have a therapeutic relationship and I'm not taking great care of his kid. You know, I'm trying my best, but it's like, you know, it was just bizarre. So I thought this would be good to get coached on because when you're kind of like, it really ate up a lot of my emotional energy this week. Like I didn't sleep the, that night. Um, you know, just worrying, worrying about the kid, worrying about, did I do the right thing? Worrying about is the mom, what's the mom doing? Is, are they even going to come back now? She refused to have him come back to outpatient um, wound care. So I don't, I don't even know if he's ever going to come back, but that's it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and, and where are you with this now? So now I am like a lot better with it because I recognized with all the practice that I do, I was recognized what I was making mean about me. And then I could catch myself doing that. And then just remind myself that any, anybody's behavior is not about me. It's about them. And <clears throat> so I was able to do that pretty readily, but again, I kept thinking, I kept second guessing myself and I still am. I'm like, should I have closed it or closed it more? Or was it right to pack it open like I did? I mean, like it's the second guessing part that's a little bit annoying that I haven't really worked past. You what, know? Why do you think you're second guessing yourself? Um, well, I think I'm second guessing myself because I'm thinking there's gonna be some horrific outcome from this. Like she's gonna burn the hospital down or sue me or um, I don't know. Like I'm being hyperbolic right now, obviously, but I'm, I think I'm worried about like an outcome um, that hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and it's a lot of energy, right? Like, Tons. Yes. So much energy. Um, <laughs> so let's go to, I, so I think two thoughts kind of stick out the most that I'm picking up, but let me know if any of these land for you. Um, this lady is going to report me or maybe more recently I'm second guessing myself. Are either one of those thoughts kind of the, the sticky thought for you right now? Um, yeah, maybe more of like I'm second guessing myself because she actually did make like numerous complaints, I think, to our customer service while she was there. I'm sure of which I was on it. And I know that <clears throat> I know that in my own interactions, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, but I'm concerned that I didn't do the right thing for the patient. Like, because I think I'm afraid he bled the next day and now she's refusing wound care. So I'm like, what, so could I have done something differently that would have made it a better situation for this kid? It's like, I think that's the problem right now. Okay. So second, so circumstance for that is, would you say the circumstance is, is more that he bled after you packed him? Or would you say the circumstance is more like the kind of the, the mom relationship? I think it's the mom relationship. Okay. 
<clears throat> Mom said, I don't appreciate you. Would that be it specifically well, or? No, that was, that was related to how I was like speaking to her after yeah. surgery. No, I think. What are, the, fa what are the facts about the mom relationship? Um, so I guess the facts are she refused to bring the patient back to outpatient wound care. So the bleeding is not that big of a deal. It wasn't even that much. And our wound care is awesome. So we had these, this great plan in place to get this wound to close up and be healthy and all that other stuff. And then, um, she basically, she didn't, I just heard through the team that she refused to do it. And so the nurses then had to teach her how to do what we planned. <clears throat> so I'm just like thinking, well, if I just would have closed it, maybe then this wouldn't even be an issue. Cause I think I'm, I think I'm worried about the kid and, in his arm healing properly. And, um, like, I think if I would have closed it, none of this would have happened. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I'm just thinking of the circumstance of mom not showing up to wound care and your thought over that is I should have operated differently. Yes. Okay. <laughs> See people, this is what the coaching's all about. It's teasing apart these thoughts that are all tangled up. Totally. How do you feel when you tell yourself I should have operated differently? Shitty. Um, Our two favorite surgeon feelings, shitty and tight. <laughs> <laughs> I feel shitty. <clears throat> so it's, um, I mean, gosh, what surgeon hasn't taken care of like, a million infections. It's part of our lives. Like it's one of my most favorite things to do. It's so satisfying. Um, but this was different. It looked different. There was a swab of something that indicated he had MRSA, but this didn't look like MRSA. It just looked different. So, um, like at the time, I'm like, you don't close stuff. Like it, there needs to be natural egress of the bad humors. Doesn't even make sense to me now thinking like saying it out loud. But then I think, well, what if I would have just like closed a little more and left a little less of it open, you know? You're trapping yourself in your shittiness. I am. So <laughs> okay, so you feel, shitty. you feel shitty. What are your actions or inactions because of feeling shitty over the thought of I should have operated differently. Well, this has been perseverating. That's the main, I mean, I have just been like going over and over and over and over and over it a million times in my head. <clears throat> Self-doubt. Totally. Um, I should have operated differently. Maybe not checking up with the family. Not that I'm advocating that, but like, if you think you're the problem, right? Maybe avoidance of, of the situation? Well, actually at the hospital, I like purposely didn't avoid it. I mean, I went to his room every day. I did the wound care with the wound care nurses just because, <clears throat> you know, like I was- So maybe like hypervigilance because I messed up. I should have yes. done it differently. So okay. hypervigilance. Okay. Hypervigilance. Yeah, not trusting the resident. Um, 
which actually has other basis, but um, like hyper communication, you know, so spending a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. time. Yeah, and so the results of doing all of that are you're spending a lot of time because you believed you should have operated differently. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, you're trying to like control the situation because you thought you didn't operate properly. Time, trying to control or fix a broken problem. Maybe the mom didn't go to wound care because she had like six other kids she was trying to take care of. Yeah. Um... I heard something yesterday, actually on a Disney show that was really interesting. It's this show called Big Shot with Uncle Jesse from um, Full, Full House. And it's, it's really great. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that show, I know it. Oh. Yeah, it's really I'm, good. I've been following. They were talking about people who, um, he's a basketball coach of these high school girls. It's really interesting to oh, me. Oh, I have heard of this. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like now the that good I'm... looking uncle, not the not good looking uncle. Yeah. John Stamos. John Stamos. John Stamos. So the, um, the, the gist of this was like when people are confrontational and like scary somewhat, you know, it's usually a sign of insecurity, like, like serious, like severe insecurity. So I, that actually really helped me last night when I heard that, because I thought, you know what? I think, you know, this is just a parent, whatever she's been through in her lived experience, which, you know, you like going through type two bias. If I just like look at her and kind of what she looks like it, I imagine it's been somewhat of a hard life. Um, I think the dad may have been in prison. And so like, I think they've deal, they've dealt with stuff, you know? And, um, I forgot the question you asked, but the whole thing was, is I started to really kind of, it started to sink in last night that this isn't really about me, that it's really just, she's just an insecure mom. That's it. And I like, created a whole lot of drama about it. And also I was able to kind of imagine like, well, what if I did close him? And then it was much worse because then there, you know, wasn't egress, you know, I, I can imagine kind of like two scenarios, but. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, if you, the, the model from an, for, so part, you know, person over here talking about coaching, for us to see like her, her circumstance was mom didn't follow up to wound care. And from that came the thought of she should have operated differently. Right. So that, so that the mom didn't have to go to wound care maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. Or so that wound care wasn't needed or something like that. Yeah. But Jessica doesn't have any control over whether mom took her son to wound care. Right. And what that thought is doing is creating this downstream effect of kind of you know, self-doubt and all this time and energy spent on trying to solve the problem of should she have operated differently, right? When in fact, mom maybe had to get food for the family and that was way more important because she thought the arm was healing up fine, right? Like 
so many reasons why mom didn't go to wound care, probably not even an ounce of because the operation went wrong. How's that landing? Well, it does land and, and I can see that. And I think one of the important things for me to like, I don't know, chime in on after having been able to kind of like get all this out and teased apart is that we make stuff mean something about us. So what I did is I made it mean there's something wrong with me and the decision I made, there's something wrong with what I did. And um, one of the things that I've been working on too is even if I did make the wrong decision, how can I still have my own back anyway? Like doing the right thing or not doing the right thing is actually kind of irrelevant. It's the relationship you have to yourself. Like, are you going to just continue to trust yourself no matter what? Yeah. If I heard you say a thought that, you know, kind of switching from an unintentional, for people who don't know, unintentional model is just what we did, right? Kind mm -hmm. of like the situation as it stood. And then you can flip over to an intentional model, kind of your like, your like best case scenario or like, you know, making you show up as, you, as your best person possible is what the intentional model is. Um, and I heard you say a thought a while ago that I was like, that could be an intentional model one. I heard you say the thought, you don't close stuff. And to me, when you said that, it came from just a very like confident, secure, like just like the Bible of operating, right? Like, you don't, you don't, <laughs> don't close, close an abscess. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Why would right. I ever want to close an abscess? <laughs> right. And so like that could, you know, you don't close stuff could be, a circumstance, but I think that's also a thought, right? Of like that, that thought is generating, let's, let's say, let's, let's run it. The circumstance is abscess and your thought is you don't close abscess, mm -hmm. right? And to me, that was generating such a like confident, almost nonchalant, right? Feeling from you. Yeah. It's really interesting to think of it that way, because as a surgeon, like I have a level of expertise. And how something could shake that, that sense that I have this expertise. Do you know what I mean? And how yeah. readily I would question it. Yeah. You let this chick question it. Right. Because she was jerky to you. That's exactly right. That's kind of like, I think the main thought error is I have expertise. I believe in my own expertise. I know what I'm doing. And I let, you know, this probably starting with the interaction, which I kind of described as confrontational, which is a thought, like then question my own expertise is really like kind of the end result there. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere else you want to go with this? Um, yeah, I think for me would be to practice um, just really believing in my ability and believing that we can't always know what's going to happen and we can't, you know, we can't know if I would have closed like two more millimeters of the thing, if that would have not made him require wound care like that, all of that questioning 
is completely unnecessary because it's basically just trying to know the future. Yeah. And I mean, this is a good experience to have, right? Because what this did is just make you more wise to the fact that when the interaction doesn't go as, then I start to degrade my confidence in this seemingly completely unrelated situation, right? Yeah. I mean, to, they're kind of related, but not, the bad interaction didn't make you a shitty surgeon, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I am loving right now the questions that we ask ourselves and how the brain works. And I, I think Brooke calls it like, don't ask yourself a shitty question. I wish it was <laughs> sounded a little bit more eloquent than that. But it's like when we ask our brain something that might be a little bit negative and it can't come up with an answer to it's going to try really hard still to answer it because our brain wants to answer questions right mm -hmm. and so in the two questions i'm thinking of in this scenario is how could i have operated differently to make this not turn out this way mm -hmm. brooke would say that's a shitty question yeah. meaning your brain's like well i don't know how i could have operated differently i could have closed it two millimeters differently i could have packed it a little less harder i could have gotten out of there faster and your brain's literally trying to answer the question you gave it, mm -hmm. but it can't. So it, it looks like perseverating, stressing, trying again to answer the question yeah. versus the question, how did I do the best I could for this kid? I took him to the operating room. I got mm -hmm. the pus out. I sent cultures. I left it open because I was supposed to. I arranged wound care, right? The brain's going to try to answer any question we give it. Mm -hmm. And in this scenario, it's like using that just neuroscience to to be kind of destructive, right? Or to be like, I don't actually like sitting and trying to solve this unanswer unsolvable problem. Yeah. Versus coming up with all the pieces of like, it went well because of blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? Have you ever played yeah. with like the shitty questions we ask ourselves? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the it's time. It's fascinating. Yeah. And I would say, I would even say that our brains are like, there's they they have to answer it's like they're compelled to answer the question so yeah but that's that's why coaching is so helpful is because sometimes we just get stuck in the shitty questions and you just need a little redirect you know mm -hmm. the other thing that i really love about this is that it's not like a magic wand it's not like and it's also not like toxic positivity it's not like you know just thinking positive thoughts to smother out the answers to the shitty questions, you know, it's really like creating a new way to think about something or anything and making that a habit, you know? Yeah. I mean, even just learning the, like, what am I making this mean? Mm -hmm. Just like learning how we always try to do that. Yeah is I think super enlightening for people. Any other thoughts or any other place you want to go with this? Um, I don't think so. Not right now. I'm trying to think if there's anything else maybe for the group, maybe we should ask some questions, see what the, if the group has any questions about what this is like or what, you know, what we just did. And I think, you know, the other thing for the group to, to understand about coaching is like, I am Jess's friend, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we all have this huge bond with female surgeons and that this is such a safe space. And Jess doesn't have to waste her time explaining difficult interactions to me with patients. Like I already get that. There's, so there's something really 
precious about the space of female surgeons, I believe. Yeah, I um, and the other thing is, as if I was just listening to Jess as a friend on a phone, I'd be like, yeah, Jess, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, she was an asshole. Wow. Blah, 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 which is called like, <laughs> you know, buying into Jess's story, right? And having her own back versus being able to just hold the space, let her see her thoughts, kind of pick out that thought that was kind of creating all of this energy for her and holding space. So the kind of the difference between like, why don't you just talk to a friend about this? versus actually talking to somebody who's trained as a coach to be like, what are you making this mean? Of course you can't answer that question. Your brain doesn't know how to answer that question. It's creating all this drama. Mm -hmm. You know, of course that person didn't show up to wound care for like eight other different reasons, right? Um, so the difference between like a coach and a friend in, in kind of chewing through something like this. Amy, what do you got? What came up for you? Here, let me promote Amy. <clears throat> I promoted you, Amy, so you should be able to talk. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. I don't really have much to add. I really liked um, Kelly's thing about the, the brain wanting to um, answer a question. I guess just be careful the question we're asking it to answer. I like that part. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do you guys have questions or comments? I just want to add a little bit too about feelings. Like I just said, I feel shitty. It's probably like if we dialed that down <clears throat> because I was questioning myself, like making it mean something was wrong with me, it would probably boil down to feeling like not good enough or whatever. And I think one of the other things about this is learning how to just feel shitty sometimes and know that that in and of itself is not a problem and kind of dropping the resistance to the feeling shitty part is so relieving. So this whole week I had resistance to it because I was spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And then I was, you know, well, I guess maybe I was a little bit busy. Maybe I, maybe I was busy on purpose just to distract myself from the shitty feeling. It's interesting to think about it that way. <clears throat> I think but, another, go on. the other, you know, teaching point, which I think is, if you don't, if, if knowing that other people are allowed to do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, dropping into the compassion for this woman, which is incredibly difficult to do in the moment. But then when you get to break it all down and be like, dude, I'm glad that she's not my mom. You know, like that, <laughs> that, that kid is that kid's got that for a mom, mm -hmm. right, which you can't change. But he's learning how to interact with the world by watching her. And to me, there's like a kind of a more of a heart of sadness that comes up then instead of like, I got to fix her because boy, is she destructive and blah, blah, blah of like, ah, but she treats everybody like that, you know, and kind of just dropping in then the compassion for you and the compassion for her. 
uh, in that she's allowed to be shitty. Like she's allowed yeah. to just go through her life as a tornado. And, yeah. and her results, she has results because of that, right? And that's on her. Yeah. But the, yeah, the fact, like, we are people who control situations, right? Like, we actively make people bleed and then make them stop bleeding. Like, we can, we're very controlling of situations. And the, the freedom that comes with, like, are they an adult? Yep. Are they allowed to do whatever they want to do, even though we completely don't agree with it? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, we okay, have a, so we, yeah, we have a question. Somebody posted a question. Um, my mind, this is the, uh, um, anonymous's question. My mind goes to prevention strategy. I'm seeing mom's side and her anxiety slash fear playing out in her interactions. Your impact on her also seemed to inflame her an opportunity to reevaluate that interaction. Should we acknowledge this? You want me to go? You want to go? Go ahead. Um, I think yes and no. I think you acknowledge it in the like, what can I always learn from my interactions in the world? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think it definitely is a learning just just like anything can be a learning. But if we use that to beat ourselves up and to say I could have changed the situation if I had, that's just self flagellation. Yeah. So I think it's I, I can see how you can learn from that situation but also use that against you of like had i only been nicer had i only given her her space we can't change the past right but we certainly can learn going forward and if we interact with her again being like you know either acknowledging it or just going slowly or having a, a nurse with us to have a witness whatever we might choose to learn from the situation but i, I wouldn't use it to because again it's that question what could i have done differently to change the situation your brain's like Oh, I could have done this and I could have done this and I should have done this and I should have like it leads us into that spinning trying to answer that question which I, I don't think is healthy I um I really appreciate this question because I actually did I did reevaluate my interaction but from a different lens and it's from the lens of unconscious bias um I've been working hard recently on trying to identify how our social conditioning impacts our belief systems because our belief systems actually kind of create our models. So if, if we talk about the model and coaching, you know, see a circumstance that triggers our thoughts, our thoughts then um, create our feelings, our feelings drive our actions and actions create results. That's the model. If the T line, the thought line is, you know, the thoughts we have, whether they're conscious or unconscious thoughts, they're informed by our underlying belief systems, which are oftentimes unconscious. Does that make sense? So I've been trying to learn about my unconscious biases. And so from that lens, I actually did go back and look to see, was there something that like something, some judgment I was making about this family that interacted, how that in, impacted how I, how I communicated and, and it's not to go back and second guess what I did, but it's to help me to learn moving forward. Kind of like you said, Kelly, I actually did do that. So that was one kind of cool thing that came out of it was an opportunity to practice that um, and see, you know, because we have to practice these things in order for them to become habits. And, um, you know, 
bouncing around like some Disney princess in a pediatric hospital is not going to work well for everybody, you know? Amy, I wanted to add something. The uh, it's interesting approach. There's a couple things that come to mind. You know, there's two things. You know, like manuals and people pleasing. You know, this, yeah. we, we do kind of have this manual that that patients and and patients' parents, you know, should be grateful and they should interact with us in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, having that expectation of someone should do something. One thing, you know, to Kelly's point, we can't make anybody do anything, um, but we can only really react to how. Um, how they interact with us, you know, we could take that and make it mean something about us, or we can just say people are allowed to act however they want. They can, they can be, you know, obnoxious and stuff. It doesn't mean we have to put up with it. And that kind of transitions to our people pleasing. And just because people can act however they want, doesn't mean we have to put up with it. (laughs) We had had an interesting patient interaction. She was a new diagnosis. She wasn't diagnosed yet, but it was a, a cancer patient. She's going to be we all kind of knew it. And she was, um, you know, kind of crappy to everybody as soon as they walked in the door. They're mean and rude to everybody. It was very uncomfortable interaction. Um, and I was in the, the room and she basically put her cards on the table. She was, I'm always, I've always been healthy and I lash out at people when I'm, you know, whatever, um, because I, I should be healthy. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I interact with her like I usually do. And she's like, are you always so cheerful? And I said, are you always so grumpy? <laughs> <laughs> a real humanness in acknowledging it like in the moment you know I uh I got coached on I had this pissed patient and I got coached on it probably I don't know a good six months ago and it turns out I had a manual I think patients should behave a certain way and she wasn't and so I was resistant to it I think patients shouldn't be mad you know all of kind of my role in this right and that coaching session changed things for me and so now like I'll have an upset patient and I'm like be upset it's totally fine for you to be upset. Like, and I just like hold the space for them. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to change their upsetness. And something happens then. They're like, well, you know, it's not, it's not, I'm not really, but. And instead of me trying to like resist their upsetness or tell them they're not supposed to be upset and this is why they're not supposed to be upset, just be like, nah, maybe I'd be upset in this situation too. Be upset. Yeah. That's fine. I'm still here. And it's like, had I not been coached on that really difficult patient interaction, I'd still like be pissed when people were upset because I'd be like, they shouldn't be. And this is why, mm-hmm. you know, so th- that that changed things for me, for sure. And that's pretty much how I interacted with it, too. You know, I, I kind of um, called her a little bit. That is the only thing that I really kind of because she really just she was just egging for a fight. She wanted to fight somebody. Um, and so we kind of just that was the only thing that I said back to her. And then I just, you know, interacted the same I would with anyone else. Did the exam. I gave the counseling. Um, and it was interesting because I was like, she may go somewhere else. And I've, I've had that before. People get mad because I'm the one that gives the diagnosis. It happens rarely, but whatever. And I don't, I just chose to not make that mean anything. It's like, if she goes somewhere else, that's cool. Thank God. <laughs> um, but it was interesting because uh, the, we had a student that day. I, I didn't know her before that, but she says, what did you do to her? And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, she, she acted differently when you left. And I think it was, I think it was the, uh, what, what Kelly was saying about, you know, the ability to, to hold space for someone mm-hmm. and not jump in the pool and not react to them and, um, you know, kind of understand where, where uh, they're coming from. Cause she was, she was projecting very 
um, loudly what her problem was. Her problem was she wanted to be healthy and, and no one was going to make her happy because we can't give them that expectation. Just like the parents and you know, we saw this in the war injured all the time. The parents were often lashing out at anything like minor things um, just because we can't give them what they want, which is a whole unhurt child, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think this really just um, approaching difficult people with curiosity is really the, the key is, is not just say like they should be doing this, but just say, I wonder why they're doing this. You know, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you guys. Thank you. Happy Mother's for being, Day. For, for being brave. No problem. Offering, offering your story. Not a problem. I hope, I hope people can see the value. I wanted to, to mention something that someone put on a thread um, in this week where they said that, uh, you know, we see that you invest in yourself and that by investing in yourself and sharing with us, you're investing in us too. And I think that's, that's what the three of us really want to do. We invest in ourselves and by sharing it, we're investing in everybody here. Yeah, absolutely. Moving the needle. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk to y'all later. Thank you so much, guys. You got it. Bye.